Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In Psalm 105, the psalmist made the compelling case for why we as his children, children of God, should praise the Lord. In verse 1 and 2, the psalmist wrote, he said, We should praise God because of his deeds and because of his wondrous work. He said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds amongst the people, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous work. He said, That is one of the reasons why you should praise the Lord. In verse 3 and 4, the psalmist encouraged us to praise the Lord because of his glory and because of his strength. He said, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who rejoice seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. By the time you get to verse number 5, he's telling us that you should praise the Lord because of his wondrous work. And then, most importantly, by the time you get to verse number 8, the psalmist now said, the reason why you should be praising the name of the Almighty God all the time is because of his faithfulness. He said, he remembers his covenant forever. The words which he commanded for a thousand generations. In other words, the psalmist is saying, regardless of how long it takes for you to see the fulfillment of the answers to your prayer, regardless of how long it takes for God to be able to show up in your situation, the psalmist is saying, you should praise God anyhow. You should praise God because God never forgets his promise. God never forgets the covenant that he made to a thousand generations. Whatever he has said in the past, he's not a forgetful God. He will always remember. And because he remembers, he will always bring it to pass. So the psalmist says, remember his faithfulness. That is why you should praise him all the time. If you start reading from verse verse number 8, he said, he remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham and his oath with Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob for a statue, to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Which means God will always remember the things that he says. God never forgets his promises. It does not matter how long it takes. It does not matter how the situation will look around you. It does not matter whether all the whole world are ganging up against the word of the Almighty God. They say God is faithful to his promise. He remembers his covenant forever. The words which he commanded for a thousand generations. And so when you get to Genesis, the Bible now tells the story of a young man by the name of Joseph. If you start reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us there. He said, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Remember, that was the same land that God had promised to his forefathers, Abraham. And now the Bible says that Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was filling the floor with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha. 
his father's wife. And Joseph brought unto his father an evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him even yet the more. And Joseph said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood around about and made obeisance to my sheep. And immediately, Joseph made that comment. Immediately Joseph made that revelation known to his brothers. His brothers understood exactly what he was talking about. They knew exactly what he was saying. And they responded in verse number 8. They said, his brethren said to him, shall thou indeed reign over us? They did not just discount what he said as just a dream. They understood as it as the purpose of God for the life of Joseph. And they said, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. In verse number 9, he dreamed yet another dream. And that tells you one thing you should understand in scripture. When you see the same thing more than once, the Bible is saying repetition is for emphasis. That means God is trying to call your attention to something. So in verse number 9, the Bible says he dreamed yet another dream. And told his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow ourselves down to thee to the earth? You will notice again that Joseph's brothers were not mistaken when they interpreted Joseph's dream. He understood exactly what he was saying. And their father came to the same conclusion. He understood. The dream of this young man is not just an imagination. It's not just an infatuation. It's not just something that you do because you don't have time. Or because you are the most beloved. Because you are wearing coat of many colors. He understood that this is the plan and the purpose of God for this young man. So his father came to the same conclusion and asked the same question. And his brethren, when they heard it again, they envied him for his father's observed the saying. Notice the two different reactions. The Bible says that when one heard the vision of God for this young man, a group of people envied, but another person observed. Many of us know this story. We have heard this story several times. We know how Joseph was sold into slavery. We know how he ended up in Potiphar's house. How Potiphar's wife wanted to defile him. How he refused. How he was falsely accused and sentenced to jail. How he prospered, not only in the house of Potiphar, but prospered also in the jail. But I want you to notice something. Just put yourself in the position of Joseph. Can you imagine after receiving that clear revelation, not once but twice, after receiving all the things that the Lord Almighty has promised to do in your life, all of a sudden you are finding yourself in a strange land. Not just as a stranger, you are now a slave. And not just a slave, you are now in prison. And you are now being treated as next to nothing. Joseph must have thought that his dream, or the dream of his youth was an illusion. He must have thought that the dream of his youth was just an infatuation. He must have thought that God had forgotten him. That he was going to die in the Egyptian jail. That he was going to waste away there. But if you look at verse number 17 of Psalm 105, verse 17 of Psalm 105, the Bible says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold into slavery. In other words, when those guys thought that they were doing their own, 
They were trying to stop a dream. They were trying to stop what God wanted to do through the life of an individual. The Bible said that he sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. That tells you something. Whatever is going on in your life, God knows about it. Whatever circumstances that you are going through that you think is the end of the world, that you think is going to destroy whatever you have put in place, just like when we woke up, we saw a very bright year, we saw a very prosperous year, we saw a year that was going to deliver results, we knew what God wanted to do, and all of a sudden, Corona showed up. And many of us thought that that was the end of everything. We thought that everything was going to go downhill. The Bible says that he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold. As a slave. In verse number 18, the Bible said they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. And then in verse 19, say, until the time his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. In other words, until the Lord was ready to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, he allowed Joseph to just go through to stew in that pot. The Bible says, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. In other words, when Joseph thought that God had forgotten him, when Joseph thought that God was no longer interested in his case, when Joseph thought that God was playing a number on him, gave me a revelation and let me hang in, God was busy walking behind the scene. When Joseph thought that everything, all hope was lost, that he was going to die there, that nobody was going to remember him, he was even starting to start his own campaign, starting to negotiate and say, remember me when you get to your palace or whatever. God was making plan to fulfill the promises that he had made unto him. God was putting things in place for Joseph's supernatural turnaround. And by the time you get to verse 20 of that same Psalm 105, the Bible tells us something very interesting. One morning they just woke up and the Bible said the king sent and they released him. No panel was formed. No appeal was launched. No case was brought before the king. They just said the king sent and released him. The rulers of the people let him go. He made him lord of his house and rulers of his possession to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. In other words, in one single day, what those guys thought that they locked up, what they thought that they have perfected, what they thought that they have been able to manipulate and destroy the vision of Joseph. The Bible said in one day, he was let loose. He was promoted. He was exalted. He was given a position of authority. And so when we talk about supernatural turnaround, what are we talking about? I'm going to go very quickly here. What are we talking about? Supernatural turnaround, we're talking about a change in circumstances. A change, a shift in the direction that you are going. You are going in a particular direction before that has not been productive and God visits you and changes your situation. That is what is called supernatural turnaround. A shift towards a new direction. A divine intervention. That's what supernatural turnaround is all about. It's a positive change of level. That's what supernatural turnaround is all about. Supernatural turnaround is God stepping into your situation and turning things around for you for good. And the question is why does God do it? Let me suggest to you that God turns our situation around for good because number one of his sovereignty, he is God. He can do whatever he wants. Number two, he turns our situation around because of his glory. You have been called by his name. I have been called by his name. People who see us know that we come here every week to come and praise his name. When he turns our lives around, the people will give glory to his name. That's why he does it. It's for glory and his honor. It's for the love and the mercy that he has for his own people. 
The Bible says, Wait not for the mercy of the Almighty God would have been consumed. That's why God does not allow you and I to be consumed. It's for His love and mercy. It's because of His plan and purpose. The Lord Almighty placed you here on earth for a reason. There are some destinies that are attached to your destiny. If you fail, those lives will fail. And that's why He turns your life around. That's why He gives you testimony. Can you imagine if somebody like Billy Graham was not born again? You know how many lives will go without hearing the gospel? Can you imagine if somebody like Paul the Apostle never encountered the gospel? What happened? Two thirds of the New Testament would have been gone. Because that is the purpose. The Lord Almighty turns our situation around because of his plan and his purpose. And he does it also to display his power and his might. That's what he did for the children of Israel when they were standing right to the Red Sea. He turned their situation around to show his power and his might. So when God steps into your situation and turns things around, one thing I want you to understand is that he doesn't leave you alone. There is always a difference. Something changes in your life. And when the Lord Almighty visits and turns your situation around, the first thing you will notice is supernatural deliverance. The Bible said that he sent and he released him. The rulers of the people let him go. When supernatural turnaround came into the life of Joseph, he was delivered immediately. He was released from prison. Number two, when God steps into your situation and turns things around, you will notice a supernatural promotion. You saw it in the life of Joseph. When God steps into your situation and turns things around, the next thing you will see is supernatural provision. That's what happened to the widow of Zarephath. The Bible says in the midst of famine, when the Lord stepped into her situation, she received provision all throughout that period. Supernatural provision always follows supernatural turnaround. When the Lord steps into your situation, that turns your situation around, you will notice supernatural favor in terms of authority, in terms of power. He said he will encompass his people with favor as with a shield. I think that's Psalm 5 verse 12. Favor will encompass you with authority and with power. And you look at the life of Moses. The Bible says when the Lord turned his life around, Moses walked into the Pharaoh's court, the place where he has been declared wanted. He made a statement that Pharaoh could not do anything. That is power and authority. And eventually he said, well, you want to kill my son? I will kill your firstborn. And he did it and nothing happened. That is authority and power. When the Lord visits you and turns your situation around, there is always that favor, the power, and the authority that goes with you. And when the Lord God Almighty, when he turns, when he visits your situation and turns you around, there is always supernatural success and victory. Ask David. He has no way that David could fight Goliath, but when the Lord visited that situation, David had the victory. When you look at Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was outnumbered in battle, but when the Lord visited him, he turned the situation around. So my brothers and sisters, when the Lord steps into your situation, you will never be the same again. It is not possible for the Lord to meet you and you remain the same. It's not possible. The question then is, how do you position yourself to be able to enjoy that supernatural turnaround? Because there's something you must do. Everything in the scriptures requires your participation. There is something you must do to enjoy God's supernatural turnaround. And that, what are the keys that you must have? If you want to enjoy supernatural turnaround. And the very first one, look at the book of Genesis chapter 17, reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us there. It said, when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared on him and said unto him, And the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant with between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him. If you go to Exodus number 3, 
Exodus 3, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the, of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And then when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And then finally, Acts chapter 9, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Saul, yet breathing out, threatening and slaughtering against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired a letter to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of his way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shone around him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuted. It is hard for you to kick against the brick. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Read three passages of scripture for you. Moses, Abraham, Moses, and Paul. And for all each of these passages that we have read, what I want you to notice is that the lives that were involved, when the Lord God Almighty visited them, there was a supernatural change as a result of that visitation. And that tells me one thing. It suggests to me that the very first key that an individual must have if you are going to experience a turnaround, a supernatural turnaround, is to have what is called a divine encounter with the Almighty God. That is the very first key that you must have. I'm not talking about you coming to church and doing all the religious things. A lot of people come to church and they don't know God. A lot of people are standing where I'm standing right now, preaching the gospel and they are not born again. So it is not about you coming to church or being a member of the church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an encounter with the Almighty God. And what is an encounter with the Almighty God? An encounter with the Almighty God is an unexpected meeting with the Almighty God. When God decides to visit you. When God decides to step into your situation. When God decides to interrupt your schedule and begin to turn things around. When you have a divine encounter, my brothers and sisters, nobody will tell you. You will know. If you are born again, you know. If you have encountered God, you will know. You will know when you have met the Lord because a divine encounter, a meeting with the Lord will come with a special package. It always comes with a special package. And the first package it comes with is the package of conviction. When the Lord visits you, you will know that he has visited you because he will put something inside your heart. There's a conviction inside your spirit. In Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible tells us that Isaiah himself was preaching before then. But the day that Isaiah encountered the Lord, the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. That was the encounter that he had. The Lord opened his eyes, and then Isaiah said, woe unto me. He had a deep conviction of who he truly was. Number two, when you encounter the Lord, there is a deep revelation. He shows you something you don't know. It gives you something that you have never seen before. Number three, when you have encountered the Lord, there is a change of perspective. The way you see life will change. When you encounter the Lord, look at the Lord Jesus Christ when he met that man that was blind. After he touched that man, he said, I see men like three. And then he touched him again. He said, now I can see clearly. There is a change of perspective. When you encounter the Almighty God, 
Not only that there's a change of purpose, there's a direction that you are going before, and all of a sudden, there's something that motivates you before. Now that you meet the Lord, everything changes. Saul of Tarsus was interested in destroying the church, but the day he met the Lord, everything changed. The thing that he was trying to destroy, he started to build up. And that's what happens when you encounter the Lord. And then finally, when you encounter the Lord, your direction in life changes. And that is why you see people who are ministering the gospel, if you ask them, they will tell you, this is not my first choice. I really don't want to do this thing. If you see somebody say, oh, yes, the day I was born, I knew I was going to be a preacher. Check him very well. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's a story for another day. When you encounter the Almighty God, it changes your direction. Regardless of where you are traveling, it turns things around for you. You can ask Jonah. When the Lord told Jonah, do this, and he said, no, okay, God encountered him. The place he was going, he had to turn back and go back to exactly where he didn't want to go. So when you hear someone say that I've met the Lord, I have a divine encounter, and you look into their life, there's no deep revelation, there's no conviction, there's no change in perspective, there's no change in direction, you need to check that particular encounter. Check that encounter. You have heard me say it a number of times here. If you meet the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing changes in you, there's a problem. It's either you have not met the Lord or you met the wrong one. Because there's no way you will encounter the Lord and remain the same. It is not possible. Something must change in your life. And I tell people, if you are serving the Lord and nothing changes in your life, that service is not taking you anywhere. A religion that does not take anything from you, doesn't change anything in your life, is a religion that is not going to deliver. It's not taking you anywhere. So the question is, how do you experience that divine encounter? How do you do it? How do you possess the key for supernatural turnaround? Look at the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but they should wait for the promise of the Father, which is said that you have heard of me. In verse 1 of chapter 2, it said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound of from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How do you possess the key that will give you supernatural turnaround? Number one, for you to possess that number one key, which is the key of encounter, it requires you to wait for the promise of the Father. In other words, you cannot rush into his presence and walk out. It requires you to wait. The Bible says, Jesus was telling them, he said, I have an assignment for you that is going to turn your life around, that is going to make you a talk of the town. He said, make sure you wait for the promise. Don't go before you get that promise. Don't do anything until you have gotten that particular promise. And that is why before you do anything for the Lord, anything that will be of material consequence, you have to wait to receive a word from the Lord. That encounter must happen. Because if you go without the encounter, you are running on your own field. And you are going to get to a point where you can no longer continue. There are so many things that happen in the church of God that if you just only waited for him, you will save yourself a lot of stress. But if you go in your own power, you are going to be a disaster. The key to experiencing the supernatural turnaround that comes through divine encounter is on the path of waiting for the promise. Number two is remaining in agreement. The Bible said that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord. You have to be in agreement with the person that you are trying to walk with. The Bible said, can two walk together except they agree? 
You cannot be doing exploit for the Lord when you are in disagreement with God. When you are arguing with him. The Lord said, this is what I want to do. He said, no, God, you are in the 18th century. We are still in the day of thou shalt not. This is 20th century. I mean, what's wrong with you? You should have come to the work culture. You should be awake, man. This is the way it is done now. We need to update you, Lord. You need to update you. Your software is kind of out of date. We need to get you to new, some new version. If you are arguing with the Lord, you are not going anywhere. It's just like you come to my house because I want to give you construction. Do you please paint this house yellow? You say, no, yellow is not good for this place. It's hot pink. I say, hey, is it your house? You say, no. I, I'm the contractor. I know it better. I say, this is my house. I'm paying for it. Paint it yellow. You say, no, I'm the contractor. I like it better. I paint it pink. You say, okay, good. Go ahead and paint it. We will see what will happen. If that is what you are doing, you are not going anywhere. And God is saying, if you are going to possess the key for supernatural turnaround, the first thing you have to understand, you have to wait for that promise. That specific word from the Almighty God. Number two, you have to be in agreement with the one who is giving you the word. Number three, you have to engage in prayer. They were all in accord in one place. What were they doing? Are they just talking? No. They were praying. Because the Lord Almighty expects you to be able to ask him. They were engaged in prayer. A believer that will not pray, forget it. You are not going anywhere. If you are not willing to pray, nothing will happen. It's not because prayer is fun. It's a very difficult business. If you want to lose the interest of the church, tell them to come and pray. All of a sudden, I have an appointment. That is not those of us who are here. Those people who are out there, that's what I'm talking about. But you must engage in prayer. You must engage in prayer. If you are going to possess the key, you must expect his visitation. You must expect his visitation. What is the purpose of you praying when you don't expect God to answer your prayer? It's a waste of time. You know, there's this song that we used to say, why worry when you can pray and then you flip it around and say, why pray when you can worry? What is the essence of praying if you don't expect God to answer your prayer? If I know that my prayer is not going to give me money, why am I going to ask him? It's a waste of my time. So the same thing. If you are going to possess the key of divine encounter, you must expect that God will visit with you. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in accord in one place. That's because they expected that visitation. They knew that God was going to come. And then finally, you must welcome his presence. When he visits you, you welcome his presence. The Bible says when the day finally came, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues. They released themselves, they welcomed the Holy Spirit into their presence, and then things began to happen. It was after this encounter in Acts chapter 2, that was when the ministry of the apostles broke forth. That was when Jerusalem caught fire. That was when they began to turn the whole world upside down. And God is still in the business of turning, of visiting lives and giving them a supernatural turnaround. But our change, our supernatural turnaround blessings will not come until I've encountered the resurrected Christ. Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, he said, therefore if any man be in Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The key to supernatural turnaround that you have been praying for, that I have been praying for as an individual, as a family and as a church, that key to supernatural turnaround is found in a genuine encounter with the almighty God. Talk about a genuine encounter with the Lord. And the question is that, have you encountered the Lord? Have you met the resurrected Christ, just like Paul did? Have you been able to have, you been able to have that particular meeting that turned your life around? 
Do you have a turning point that you can point to? Do you have a revelation? Do you have a change, a conviction that I've been brought about as a result of that encounter? If you are not, today is not the day of judgment. But it's a day for us to reassess that the man and the woman who will enjoy the supernatural turnaround must, as a matter of requirement, meet with the Lord of supernatural turnaround. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.